Welcome to Tune In YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Welcome to Tune In YRDSB. I'm Hashana Kiliste, one of two assistant coordinators of mental health here at the YRDSB. I'm joined by my colleague, Paula. Hi, everybody. I'm Paula Vicente. I am the other assistant coordinator of mental health here at the YRDSB. We're also joined by Youth Space Student Champions and Student Trustee. I'd like to invite our guests to introduce themselves and we'll start here. Hi, I'm Natasha. I'm a grade 12 student at Maple High School. Hi, I'm Haley. I'm a grade 10 student at Dr. G.W. Williams Secondary. Hi, my name is Prisha. I'm one of the student trustees and I'm a grade 11 student at Stouffville District Secondary School. Today on the podcast, we're speaking about exam preparation and helpful strategies that can support wellness during exam time and beyond. Exams are a normal part of school life, notably for secondary school students. Exams and exam preparation can bring about many different feelings and experiences. For some students, this can be worry, anxious thoughts, feeling overwhelmed or stressed. For others, it can also bring about a sense of increased focus and concentration, or perhaps a combination of feelings and experiences. Many can relate to these experiences. There can be many other feelings that accompany exam and exam preparations. These feelings can arise before an exam in anticipation or perhaps even after an exam when we're waiting to hear what did we, how we did on the exam or the test. So just what is exam stress? Stress is a response to an external cause, just like a tight deadline for a test or assignment or a response to an upcoming exam. Since stress has a direct external cause, tackling this head-on can really help. Tests and exam stress can be the pressure, tension, nervousness, and sometimes worry we feel before or during test-taking situations. It can involve thoughts about being evaluated and the consequences if we don't do well. Most students feel some stress when they're about to write a test or an exam. But stress is not always a bad thing. In fact, it can have many benefits. Sometimes stress and nervousness can help motivate us. It can help us to work harder, be more focused, and perform at our best. It's when stress becomes too heavy or too overwhelming that it can become a little bit problematic. So our time today will be focused on, you know, thinking about how we get prepared and how we maintain mental wellness that will help us do our best during exam time. So today we have a few questions for our students and I'm going, I have the privilege of starting off. So we'd like to know what keeps you mentally healthy that can be supportive during exam time? What are your thoughts? Uh, For me, I have a really great support network network of friends and family and they just keep me going during like these stressful times because I find exams pretty stressful and I think surrounding myself with positive people really makes the experience go by a lot better. I definitely agree. Um, And just to add on, I think even within our school community, right, we have um, our teachers, um, our guidance counselors, student success teachers. Um, I think all these staff are so, so helpful um, throughout the year when it comes to like schoolwork and even just sometimes outside of school stress too. And I think um, along with um, my family and my friends, um, teachers are also a very, very good support system. Um, and they do give a very good support. Um, for me, I think knowing when to take a break and what that break should look like. 
So for me, it would more look like going outside, getting a healthy snack, or like taking like a pause to read for fun would be more productive for me than going to like watch TV or going on social media because those would be harder for me to stop and then transition back into work. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it sounds like there are many different ways to be mentally well during exam time, like leaning on the support systems we already have, but also doing what works for us. So Natasha, you shared taking a break, going outside, maybe stepping back from screen time. And over here, we heard from Haley and Prisha, like leaning on those supports, family, friends, or even the caring adults that's in our school buildings or even faith leaders and other identity affirming um, spaces that we enter. Another question we had for our students, and we've already started building on these, but what are those helpful strategies that can support you to study, but also be prepared for your exam? Well, for me, I love taking notes. I find taking colorful notes and making them easy to read, accessible, maybe putting them on cue cards is a great way studying works for me. But also taking like a break and just giving it time to digest all the information that I'm taking in. I definitely agree. And I think to add on, something that works really well for me is a lot of like active recall and just testing how much I know to understand like how much I don't know and what I really need to work on. Um, so one thing that I really learned this year, especially um, in my biology class, was the BLIRT method, where um, for every lesson or unit, I would write down like everything I know about a topic and then see like if what I'm missing. So then that way, um, by like, you know, using another color or um, just any sort of thing that can kind of tell me that, oh, I, I didn't, you know, understand this or I am missing this concept in my like mind map or in my paper, um, it can help me um, spend my time on things that I need time studying on. Um, and that way I can also use my time effectively and not use my time on things that I already know. So this was something that my biology teacher actually taught our class and I think it was so, so helpful. I actually also learned a really, really uh, useful uh, strategy from my, my science teacher. It was actually a student teacher. And she taught us like getting like a, a really big piece of paper and folding it into 16 uh, little boxes. And then for each lesson or concept, you would put everything you know, like Prisha said, and then you'll have it later. And I laminated it. I made it all fancy. It's like a beautiful placemat now, and it's actually the best thing ever. And I'm using it for every subject now. I actually started doing that too for math. I would make like a, a piece of paper after every unit of all the topics. And that was really helpful to look back on during exam time because then I knew like I had notes for every single um, unit and it was really easy to then study from that. Nice. And it sounds like we're hearing a lot of organization that's happening um, and taking notes. And even this blurt method you shared is something that's totally new to me. So when you, you get everything out, then you can kind of have that process of elimination. These are the things that I know. These are the areas that I may need to strengthen. But I think that key theme that I heard from each of you is organization. 
and to build on some of those strategies and complement what you've already shared is scheduling. So it can be really important to, you know, time manage and schedule what's going to work best for us. We know students are navigating many things, not just school. There's family, there's pets, there are extracurriculars and a whole heap of other things. So having a plan, having a schedule as to when do I put that time in for studying might be something that's supportive for students. So having a plan, scheduling, and actually being realistic with our schedules. So if we know we need 90 minutes to study or 30 minutes to study, but we only pencil in 15, is that realistic for what we need? So part of that is, you know, planning that schedule, but making sure it's realistic based on our own personal and unique needs, which is going to be different for student to student. Another strategy that was actually really helpful for me, and, you know, school was a long time ago, but it actually helps me even in my work, for example. And you've probably heard about the Pomodoro technique. Have you heard about it? Um, This is where we're chunking information that we're studying. So rather than cramming for eight hours, for example, we're scheduling our studying to 30 to 40 minutes and then taking like a five to 10 minute break. And the reason why this technique is so helpful and efficient actually is because there are these concepts in learning and memory called primacy and recency. So primacy basically means we remember the things that we first learned. So for example, for me, if I go to a party, I'm going to remember the names of the first, well, the hope is first five people that I meet, but it's usually about three, right? And then the um, the recency uh, means you'll remember the things that are the most recent. So at the same party, I'll remember the names of the last maybe three people that I've met. So the same is true in studying. So if you study, uh, let's say you're cramming for eight hours, you're likely to remember the first things that you learned for the first 20 minutes and then maybe the the most recent things that you learned in the last 20 minutes of your study uh, session. But with the Pomodoro technique, if you're chunking that study session, you're increasing the number of primacies and recencies, right? So in the eight-hour session, you have a huge gap, basically, of uh, learning that you've done that you might not remember. But in the Pomodoro technique, you're increasing, um, it's basically like a brain hack, right? You're increasing the number of things that you're learning and retaining. Mm-hmm. And Prisha, you mentioned something about um, like active retrieval, like being really active in your note-taking and in your studying as well. Um, so another thing that I often suggest and that's really helped me is when I first go into a study session is to really go in there like active, right? So if I'm going in there and I'm feeling really bored, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to do this, right? You're less likely to really like encode the information that you're learning. So what I often suggest is to go in there pumped, ready. So I might do a few jumping jacks beforehand. I might do, uh, who am I kidding? But I'd like to tell other people to do some push-ups, um, you know, something, get some music going that really gets, gets me up and like active, right? So that when I'm going into my study session, I'm interested and I'm active and I'm like emotionally activated in a really like uplifting way as opposed to if I'm feeling bored and like I don't want to do this and that's the state I'm in, then that'll be the state I'm in that I'm studying and likely not to remember as much as I wish I would. Yeah, and just connecting to like that like upbeat music, like I find that I'll listen to that while I study sometimes. So like for certain things like 
writing maybe I won't but if I'm just trying to like piece together like maybe some science or something I'll listen to like really fast music and my brain ADHD brain I am able to uh remember things very very quick when things are slow I lose attention and I so it's best when I I learn by having things thrown at me and then I process it later so by having this fast music it's also like connecting to my learning style Mm -hmm. and it allows me to keep my mind busy and at its most productive. I think you both, Paula and Haley, bring up some really key and important points. And just thinking about learning style, we all learn differently and we'll have different learning styles. And therefore, the interventions or the supports or the strategies we need is going to look different. So I'm happy that you shared that sometimes it's that fast pace, upbeat music is what works for you. Because sometimes we think it needs to be quiet, it needs to be zen, it needs to be still. But the most important thing is finding out what works for you. So if it's quiet, great. If it's upbeat music, great. If it's Paula, if it's jumping jacks and being active and being pumped, great. Sometimes what works for us takes trial and error. So we are encouraging students to, you know, learn and explore what works for you. And even if it feels like it's, whoa, this is weird, nobody else does this. We encourage you to try it if it helps you feel successful and if it affirms who you are. Because we know we come into the space with different learning styles, different strengths and different assets. And leveraging and tapping into those things, it's what's going to help us to succeed and thrive. And just before moving on, Paula, you said something about chunking and taking those breaks. Sometimes we feel like you know, I have this amount of time and I got to go, go, go and push, push, push. But that nourishment of self, those pauses, those breaks, even if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes to listen to some music, have a snack, drink some water, do some jumping jacks, that's also needed for our brain to pause, but also to function at its best. Okay, so a question often comes up Uh, during the exam uh, that we get is what if I draw a blank during the exam or don't know what to write what if I freeze during the exam what are your suggestions for students listening I think first of all I think it's just important to take a deep breath right like it can get kind of stressful when you're like in the moment you know you have your pencil and it's like all quiet in your classroom or whichever you know circumstance you're writing your exam in Um, I think it's just so important to take a deep breath. And for me, everyone's different, but for me, what helps is that if I have, let's say, a water bottle, um, I always try bringing a water bottle during my exam. It's just to drink some water and just, you know, take a deep breath um, because a lot of the times you're in that stressful, like, mindset, like, oh gosh, like, I don't know what's happening, that sort of thing. But if you kind of disconnect with your exam just for a little bit, um, I think the benefits are huge because then you feel a bit more calm, a bit more, you know, grounded down, and then you can, you know, move on to the next question. And it's okay if you don't know the question that you're doing. You could always come back to it, star, put a star beside it, and then do the questions you do know. And then once you're done, a lot of the times, some further parts of the exam may even connect to the part of the exam that you're stuck on. So, by just skipping it, going on to the next part, um, it may actually help you. So it's always, it's a good, I feel like it's a good thing to, to do that. Um, for me, I know, I think we were going to discuss some like strategies you could use, but some of the strategies that I was 
going to use are like um, thinking of reassuring thoughts. So we often get like caught up in our negative thoughts. So like flipping them around, like if you're stuck in the thought that I'm not getting this, you can always just add the um, word yet to the end. So I'm not getting this yet. And that just sort of tweaks your mindset a bit and helps. Uh, I also know like this um, strategy, which is five senses where you're going to like sort of tune into what's around you and it helps you stay in the present. So like you would look for five things you can see, um, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste. And that like helps you keep in tune with yourself and sort of give you like a break. And it'll hopefully like just help you get out of that mindset. So just connecting back to like a exam, like in the moment of the exam, um, as someone, I've only ever had two exams in my high school career. I'm very, very new to it all. And even and in my exams, my tests, my quizzes, everything that any sort of assessment, I blank every single time. And it's something that's very frustrating, but I honestly find taking your mind off of it. And I know like when people say just keep going and just keep looking at the paper and stuff. That doesn't work for me. I look around, I think about the rest of my day. I think about what I'm doing after this. It just kind of resets my brain. And then eventually the information starts coming back to me because it's in my brain somewhere. I just, the stress is clouding it up. So I will think about something that makes me happy, what I'm having for lunch, something like that. And it will just open up all those doors that have all that information that I need. That's great. I think, you know, going back to what Hoshana shared earlier is that some things work differently for different people. And it's really about knowing what works for you. So for Natasha, if she's in a in a, an exam and she's feeling a little stressed and maybe worried that her might her mind might go blank, she's going to do the five senses. Right. Um, for you, Haley, it might be uh, like looking around the room and, and like, you know, doing something other than staring at that exam because that might just perpetuate this anxious feeling. I think it's so important to understand ourselves and understand that we're also different. I think that this is a great conversation that we're having to share with others to sort of like spark that, you know, idea and really just you might not know what works for you and that's okay too. And so the important thing is just to try. Um, a key piece here, I think, uh, just the suggestion that I wanted to make was the importance of practice. So practicing strategies outside of an exam, outside of a really stressful situation, so that your body kind of gets into this like muscle memory, so to speak. So that when you really need a skill that might work for you, you can access it readily without having to think too much about it. So Natasha, you might just automatically go into five senses and not really have to do much thinking about it. Whereas if it's not something that I've practiced, I might have to sit there going, what was that strategy again that you know, somebody told me? So I think practice is key for any strategy, especially if you don't know. And then the other pieces that I often suggest, you know, somebody like myself who did struggle with test anxiety, who did struggle with going blank with that anxiety piece, something that worked for me and that I often suggest is to practice quizzing yourself practice, and I think, Risha, you've, you've suggested this earlier, right? Really, when you're going through your notes, being active in your note-taking and creating your own exam, creating your own test, and then using that, A, as uh, a source to see, like, you know, how well you're taking in the information, and then also as, um, you know, a practice in exam-taking, 
right? And you might want to like switch up the questions because of course you're the one that created the, the questions. However, it will help you with that behavioral practice of taking an exam and um, you know, coming up with answers, for example. Another piece to remember um, is that sometimes the anxiety comes from uh, like, you know, an unknown or uncertain situation as well. So sometimes what might alleviate that and support that a little bit is if you're studying in a place that's similar to where you're going to take the test. Um, so, for example, if you can, if you're at school, try studying in a quiet space in a classroom, for example, where you're giving yourself those cues of being in a space with other students, for example, or in the library, um, something like that. Or uh, if you're at home, for example, try to set up a space that's really dedicated to schoolwork and try to not make that be your bed. As an example, I think it's really interesting how you say that because for me, and everyone's obviously really different, uh, I find changing up my study spaces is like exactly what I do. Like, I know when I'm in class, like, some, and we're given a work period to like study for an upcoming test or something, I'll be like, can I go work in the library? Just the change of scenery really helps me process all the information. Or some days I'll work in the resource room, some days I'll work in the cafeteria, and then when I'm at my home, I'll work outside, I'll work. Uh, in the living room, I'll work at the dining room table. Like I just switching it up for me as I have a very, very active and busy, busy brain. I find that helps me keep me on my toes and keeps me like in focus with what I'm supposed to be doing. And speaking to like knowing yourself really well and going with what works. Absolutely. I feel very privileged to be sharing space with everyone because we can truly see just in this but a small group of people, the varying ways we can show up for an exam and the varying ways we can show up and be kind to ourselves, even through five uh, senses or the other examples shared at our space. So let's think for a moment. It's the day of the exam. Ten minutes before it starts, you enter the exam space. What do you do to prepare and ground yourself? I think um, the important thing is not to, you know, you might go into school or you go into your classroom and you may or may not have other people you're sharing the space with and you may have people talking about the exam like, oh, are you ready? Um, You know, how are you feeling? Did you do this unit? Did you do that unit? And I think not engaging in all of those conversations, for me, I find that's really important because I think that just draws a lot more Um, stress and anxiety around the exam itself because you know it's let's say it's 10 minutes before as you mentioned right the exam is starting um, and let's say they you you feel like you don't know a certain topic um, but you have studied it I think engaging in all these conversations is actually going to create more stress and it's going to take more time for you to you know ground yourself um, before taking the actual exam as um, a lot of times you know you may have studied it right throughout your study sessions, but because of engaging in these conversations and because of the stress, um, you may not be able to like retrieve this information um, quickly or in, you know, before, right before you start your exam. So I think that's really, really important. And I think the second thing is um, try, if, if possible, like I think getting a bit early just before exam starts, I think it's really important just so you familiarize yourself with the space and you feel more comfortable with it because that is um, where you're going to be writing it. And I think just having those cues like, okay, you know, this is this is my space. Um, I feel grounded. Um, that's really important. And um, I mentioned this before, but I think um, whether that be, you know, having a drink of water or, you um, 
maybe it's the five senses method Natasha talked about I think grounding yourself right before um, those 10 minutes because the way the the state you have going into the exam sometimes dictate how you may even perform because if you're in that mindset like oh my gosh no I can't do this like I don't think I studied enough like I'm not going to do well then you may not do well but if you go in there positive like you know I did the best I can and yes I'm stressed right now I'm a bit anxious about this exam but this stress and anxiety is actually helping me um, do better because it's pushing me to like you know do the best I can um, and push my limits um, that help me when studying and it's going to help me write the best I can in an exam. So I think that's really important to just going in the space with a positive mindset and understanding that it's okay to be stressed. It's totally normal and using that stress um, for a good thing, right? Just to do your best. The spectrum of uh, like personality and what strategies work uh, for people in this table is just awesome like for me like I I find talking to people before the exam is the best way for me to get my (laughs) mind off of it it relaxes me then again I'm also a very social butterfly so I find like I will talk to people I will put away my notes I will try to tell myself yeah you know this you don't need to look at your notes anymore I try to get my mind off the exam entirely and almost distract myself purposely and start to get into a conversation where I can just be comfortable. And I think it's really interesting how uh, I'm sitting right next to you and you have like a completely different way. And I think it's great because like it shows how everyone manages these areas of stress. Um, I actually think I agree with Haley that I would talk to people, but yeah, probably not about the exam. I'd maybe ask them like, oh, what are you doing after the exam today? (laughs) Hopefully not just studying, like maybe you're going to do something fun or even like after the school year is over, what are you doing this summer? Like something to get my mind off of it and something that'll be like something to look forward to. And also I just try to like think of like, what that sense of relief feels like after I'm fil- finished the exam. So then I'm like feeling less stressed and more of like what that feeling would be like earlier. And then hopefully it gets me out of that mindset sooner. I definitely agree with you. Like just thinking about, you know, once this exam's done or once this exam season's done, like just imagining like all the free time and like, you know, for example, this is second semester. So imagining summer and like, Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you on that. Wonderful. And I think what we're hearing, at least what I'm hearing, is the power of a positive mindset and a positive attitude and having positive thoughts. And for some, it's shifting, may not be direct focus on the exam, but what are the things that bring you joy? Because although exams can be very stressful, when we center joy, when we center positive thinking, you said mindset, you said reframing, get, that can change how we enter that space for the exam. So little things like challenging our thoughts. So we thought about that 10 minute we walk in, we might walk in there, we might be a little stressed out, but then we start thinking, ooh, I can't wait for that relief after. Um, Natasha, you said a very powerful word earlier, it was yet. And yet is part of, you know, that mindset switch. If I don't know the answer now, it's a yet. Maybe I'll skip ahead a few questions and then come back. 
So I really wanted to highlight that power of a positive mindset, a power of challenging our thoughts, because sometimes those thoughts can weigh us down. If we enter the space and we're like thinking, I'm not going to do good. I'm too stressed. This is too heavy. I can't remember anything that I studied. Maybe it's a pause. Maybe it's reframe. Sometimes easier said than done. But it goes back to what you shared earlier, Paula, that practice. So practice the five senses beforehand. Practice mock exams beforehand. Practice taking those deep breaths. Practice the words you're going to say to affirm yourself. So it could be, I don't know this, but that's a yet. I will know it. It might be, hmm, I'm going to pause to take a deep breath. It might be, I am brilliant. I am enough. I am doing my best. And I'm here for a reason. We all have different things that we say to affirm ourselves and build our mindset. So that is another strategy that, you know, we can invite students to use, keeping that positive mindset and challenging those negative thoughts when they come, because reality is sometimes they do come and it's not always a bad thing, but it's how we respond when they come. And we've all offered a bit of um, helpful solutions and ways of being in the space. So thank you for that. I think what we might do now, because we've talked about all these wonderful strategies, is offer a, a strategy that students, if they're so inclined, can use. And, you know, Paula, you said everything works and sometimes nothing works. So find what works for you. So this strategy, it's a bit of a body scan. So wherever you are when you're listening to this, if you could be standing, you could be sitting, maybe you're laying down. I want you to take a moment if you're in a a safe and comfortable place and just pause and start with that pause. And as you pause, and I'm inviting everyone at our little shared space here to pause with me and first start by taking a breath in. And as you take that breath in, I want you to become very aware of your body, the feelings and the sensations that may be operating in your body. I want us as we pause, we're going to breathe in and out as we work through this body scan and mindful exercise. Gaze to the floor or close your eyes, whatever feels most comfortable. As you close your eyes or gaze to the floor, I want you to think about your toes and your feet. What's happening there? Are they tingly? Are they numb? Do they have no feelings? Pause, think about your toes and your feet. Slowly take a breath in, exhale to blow it out, and move your body scan up your body. Maybe your calves and your legs. Maybe if you're nervous, they might be a bit shaky. They might be completely still. It's a different experience for everyone. Think about your stomach. And as you go through this exercise, each of us might find a different body part to focus on. For me in this moment, I'm focusing and leaning into the butterflies that I sometimes feel in my stomach. And we know when we think about exams, we can sometimes feel that in our tummies, right? In our stomachs. So lean into that feeling of those butterflies. Breathe it in and blow it out. Move up our body, our airs on our mind and our head. Do we feel any tension there? And as we breathe in, if we feel some tension, we might say, I feel tension in my mind and my head. I'm going to breathe that in. 
and I'm gonna exhale it out. And when we do scans like this with our body, it may work for some, it may not work for everyone, but we bring attention and focus to the areas that it's needed and we incorporate breathing. It might also be because we know breathing and stillness doesn't work for everyone. So it might be as I do my scan and I'm thinking of my toes, I might tap my feet to bring the attention to my feet. I might clap my hand because now I'm bringing in that movement and that those sensations that disrupts the stillness because we know stillness isn't effective for everyone. I might sway or dance if I'm thinking about pressure and butterflies in my body. So there are many resources of different body scans that you can find and we're going to do our best to add some to the www. Um, YRDSB mental health um, website for mental health resources, but think about what our conversation has been centered on. Do what works for you. So if movement in your scan feels affirming, add movement. If breathing feels affirming or good, add breathing. If tapping feels affirming, add the tapping. The key to the scan is really to find the areas in your body where you might feel tension, you might feel stress, or you might feel pressure and, you know, breathe it in and blow it out. And sometimes we do this on repeat. So you might have to do it two or three times to really externalize some of that tension and pressure. So we hope that's a strategy that you might try um, and thinking again to that practice piece. Don't wait till you're in a space of worry or stress. Do it when you feel good. So practice some of these strategies when you're not stressed, when you're not worried. Maybe it's before bed. Maybe it's when you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's at lunchtime. Getting the habit and routine of trying some of these strategies when you're in an okay place. Because to your words, Paula, it might be easier, to Prisha's word also, to recall them in a moment when we need them, if we've practiced them in a moment of okayness. So I wonder what that uh, practice was like for you all. What are your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Um, I realized, you know, some, like, for example, my thighs and my hands, like, they were, like, to get, like, together. And I realized that a lot of parts of my body, they were actually in a little stress because they were, you know, more clenched together, um, that sort of thing. And I think this exercise really helped me realize, and it was really good with self-realization on the parts of our body that sometimes they could be in stress, and we may not even realize that, you know, those parts of our body are in stress. So I think... I, I personally love this exercise, and I, I will be doing this um, this exam season for sure. Yeah, connecting to Prisha, I also experienced like a similar thing. I noticed that I really tense up my jaw, and I'll like I actually I'll do this body scan thing uh, quite often. I'll uh, be I'll be just chilling in my room, and I'll be watching TV, and I'll realize that like I'm like like squeezing my jaw together, and it like. And then I release it and it's like, oh, wow, I was really clenching my jaw. I should probably relax a bit. But like just realizing what your body is doing uh, can help you uh, just have that connection to your body and feel in control. Um, for me, I guess I like thinking about like uh, in terms of metaphors, I guess, with the butterflies in the stomach. 
or I feel like tightness in my chest or like the thoughts in my head and I like thinking about them going out or even like visualizing it in my body how that would kind of look like is helpful for me so I liked that part of the model mm. it just reminds me uh, personally because I too uh, I, you know I came into this podcast feeling a little anxious myself and uh, it reminds me to practice what I teach <laughs> and I kind of wish that we did this at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> like there's different expressions of the body scan and it even seems like we received it in very different ways and Natasha I'm going to lean into something you said around the visualization because sometimes it's not just like oh I feel a pressure in my jaw or in my tummy when we actually visualize so let's say we take a breath in we visualize blowing out or externalizing those butterflies so they're no longer there and for some that visualization might be writing it down so different ways to express the body scan so we did our body scan but i still have some thoughts in my head that are not too positive write them down because that can also be a way to externalize and take stuff from living in our minds on our heads that could bring us down to outside and when you see it visually you might say this might be an area I need to work on. I need to breathe in this and blow it out a bit better. I need to tap a bit more, clap a bit more, stretch a bit more, do more jumping jacks, different things. Uh, maybe, and even thinking about, because we've talked about our internal strengths, but we know we don't exist in isolation. And we know, and thinking about the conversation earlier, our support systems. So it might be a caring friend, a caring adult, it might be connections to our community. We'll also lean into those pieces and those um, supports because they can help us get grounded as well. Because as much as sometimes things can be within our control, we also want to create space and talk about what if it feels too much or too overwhelming? Where are the spaces that we turn to? Um, so we're going to offer just a run through of some um, some resources and again these resources are also found on the YRDSB mental health page different resources support different identities so we have resources that might be supportive for you know students and families from different and various communities and you can find these identity affirming resources um, online at the WWYRDSB mental health page because we want students to know when things feel out of our control, there is help and there is supports out there. And these supports, the one that won, some of them, they're free, they're private, and they're confidential. So I think that's important um, for students to hear as well as, you know, if we've done all the strategies but we still feel stressed and overwhelmed, there is help and support that is out there. So to add to the wonderful strategies um, and things that we use, we also wanted to add some helpful routines that can be supportive. And these routines are not just for exams. They can be supportive well beyond for day-to-day -day life. So healthy routines can be the foundation to everything that we do. And sometimes they support us to be our best and do our best, no matter what the challenges that we're facing. So one of those routines is getting enough sleep. So picking a bedtime that gives you enough sleep. So it says, you know, teenagers usually need about eight hours of sleep. So maybe choosing a realistic bedtime, but a bedtime that allows for eight hours 
is something that could be helpful. Sometimes we think about eating and hydration. The body needs vitamins and you know minerals, but also water to function at its best. Sometimes that eating piece, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're worried, we might neglect those pieces. So thinking about our sleep patterns and our sleep routines, our eating habits are things to consider. We also want to remain active. Sometimes when we're under pressure, we might say, I'm not going to do those extracurricular activities anymore, or I'm not going to go to the gym, I'm not going to do soccer, or I'm not going to do things that nourish us and keep us active. If it feels comfortable recognizing what's good for some may not be good for all, continue to be active, continue to engage in the different ways that you know you stay active and you be well. Also thinking, and I believe, Haley, you may have touched on this before, around screen time. So sometimes we might lean into, as a coping strategy, we might go on a screen and, you know, we might be on TikTok and we watch one video and then another one comes and another one comes. I've been down that rabbit hole, so I know I'm not speaking of unfamiliarities. Being mindful of how much screen time we're taking is something that's also part of those helpful habits um, that we want to incorporate. So it might be something as simple as, I'm only going to watch three of those videos, then I'm going to get back to my studying. So we're chunking. I, I like when you used that word chunking earlier, Paula. We're chunking because it's still necessary to find joy and have things that you know make us smile and laugh, but we don't want to spend two hours watching videos. So think about how do we chunk? How do we cut back on screen time when it's needed? How do we improve our sleep patterns? How do we stay nourished um, and healthy? Those are routines that are can keep us healthy and mentally well beyond exam times. So we just wanted to share those with you as well. Just thinking as we wrap up our time today, are there any other considerations and thoughts that's coming from our students? I think we talked about this earlier like throughout the podcast, but I think just understanding that everyone's different and everyone learns differently, um, study techniques are different, stress management techniques are different, um, and I think just recognizing that and then also making an effort to understand what works best for you I think that's so so important and I think that's also a process right because um, what may work for a certain subject um, may not work for another subject so I think it's a lot of like trial and error and it's definitely a process yeah just another thing to kind of summarize our uh our little get together here today uh I think the main takeaway is that we need to find what works best for you and use those strategies because they work for you, not because other people are using them, your friends are using them, but because you've taken the time and kind of, uh, or just through experience, have just found what is best suitable for you. Um, I think like something important would just be like finding the support systems that can help you. I find that like when I'm studying or doing work, I like hold myself up in my room and it's very isolating. So finding like your family, friends, peers, or like going to your teachers when you need help or guidance is important. And it can help like you distress when you need to. Absolutely. And you know, with that, we want to thank you for sharing your strategies, your brilliance with us and all the students and families um, that are tuning in. Thank you so much Thank for, you having, for us. having us. Thank you.
Really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was a great initiative. Thank you everyone for joining us and listening. Please visit www.yrdsb.ca slash mental health for more tips and resources that support positive mental health and well-being. Thank you for joining us for TuneIn YRDSB. Please join us next time to continue the conversation.